Hello to everybody at home. Welcome to the podcast. This is the Ordinary Church Podcast, and I'm Connor. I'm here with Mike. Morning, Mike. Good morning, Connor. And we're happy to be with you again for another uh, episode in this series about the Bible. Big questions about the Bible. That's what we've been going through. And so today we're actually in part five of seven, part five of seven, and we're tackling yet another question about the Bible. Uh, Mike, if it's okay, let me just review where we've been, and then we'll go mm-hmm. where we're going. So where we've been over the last few weeks, we started with the question, how, uh, why can we trust the Bible? Then we moved to how do, uh, can we understand the Bible? Then how are we to study the Bible? Uh, talked about uh, historical grammatical hermeneutics. Uh, and finally, what should we be looking for? And we've discussed authorial intent, trying to seek that out. And so that brings us to the uh, question of the hour, which is how can we know that our interpretation is the correct one? And so, uh, Mike, maybe I'll just leave it to you now for a little bit of an introduction to that question. But again, the question on the table today is, how can we know that our interpretation is the correct interpretation? Okay, let's go ahead and start with Scripture. And I want to start us with 2 Timothy 2.15, which we have been in previously, okay? And let me just read it. It's a very well-known verse, and it's obviously in the middle of, of this chapter where Paul is saying, remind them of all these gospel truths and charge them, again, not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Instead, here's what you are to do. Verse 15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. And the reason I start us here is because there's a diligence that is being called for here. Do your best to uh, to present yourself, which the idea of um, there's a persistent zeal that should should really embody our study of the scriptures and that we would see ourselves as approved, meaning God would approve us after examination and testing. And really the examination and testing is of our hearts by the word of God. Spirit of God tests our hearts by the word of God. And the idea of, it says, handling accurately the word of truth, rightly handling the word of truth, is to cut a straight line or to cut a road or a furrow, like say you're in the, in the fields and you're, you're plowing a field to plant seed in. And so the idea is, uh, you know, even of a road maker cutting a straight road, a mason coring and cutting a stone to fit in the proper place. Um, the idea is you want to handle the word accurately and precisely and uh, with diligence so that you get the right interpretation. And you know, we have talked about uh, our hermeneutic, right? Our historical grammatical hermeneutic, literal uh, uh, hermeneutic, and then looking for authorial intent. Now, the question of how do you know if it's the right one kind of takes me back to math class, which strikes fear in my heart because math was not my favorite subject when I was growing up. And if you remember back to like, let's just say algebra, okay? They give you the math book and you know, your teacher would say, do all the odd number questions or whatever, all the odd number problems. And then the answers are in the back of the book for you to check. So you do the problem, then you check in the back of the book. And if you have an answer that's different than the answer in the back of the book, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. They didn't, there's not a misprint usually in those books. It's usually you're wrong and everyone knows it and go back and, and work the problem again. Okay. And so the idea of the interpretation being the right one, we would never want to be arrogant. You have to be humble, but you want to be confident and then cautiously check and confirm. And here's, here's the check downs. Okay. This is, this is looking at the back of the book for in the, for the answer. 
What did the early church understand this, this passage to mean? Uh, what did the church believe through the ages? What fits best with the body of Scripture in context and the historic Christian faith? And the idea of beware new ideas. I remember when I was in seminary, one of my Greek professors said to us, when you are doing your, 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 your exegetical work you know, in the languages and you come up with some new idea, you're probably wrong, okay? Yeah. Uh, because a lot of good minds have been on this for many years, and it means what God meant it to mean, not what the new idea that you came up with. So I do think uh, these uh, first, what did the early church understand it to mean? And that doesn't mean they always got it right, but there's a check down. What did the church believe through the ages? There's another check. What fits best with the body of Scripture in context and the historic Christian faith? I think those are some good starting points, okay? Because what it does is it helps your your sphere of, of your view, your vision kind of go out and get the peripheral vision too and go, okay, it's not just me sitting in a room with my Bible, but let's look beyond this time to the past even. And does this jive with what Orthodox Christians have believed through the ages? Yeah. Maybe for someone who's wondering, okay, I, I want to do that, but I don't know where I can find what believers through the ages have you know, believed about this passage or that mm -hmm. passage. Do you have any thoughts about where we could find that kind of support that could start to give us a confidence of, okay, yeah, I'm walking the right, the right road here. This, this is all making sense. Mm -hmm. A good systematic theology from the past and a good uh, biblical theology. Uh, reading some good church history also helps. Uh, you can even read some of the early church fathers. You can read Josephus, a Jew, and read what he said about Christians and what they believed and how they lived. That would give you some more. That would give you kind of a peripheral look. Yeah. But if you want to look at uh, what what the church has believed, go into some of these. You know, uh, there's some really good, really good uh, yeah. books out there that are thick. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> real, thick. really That's good. True. I got a lot of them right down here. Yeah, there's so you got Evangelical Dictionary of Biblical Theology, Evangelical Dictionary of Theology, um, a good expository dictionary, you got Bible backgrounds dictionaries, you got systematic theologies, Burkhoff and others. Um, I wouldn't just go to all the newest books. I mean, a lot of yeah. people, for example, a lot of people love Grudem as a systematic theology. I, I consider it one of the weaker systematic theologies. It's not bad. It's just written in a different way. And it doesn't, it's not as precise as some of the older ones. And so you go into some of the older ones, Hodge and Burkhoff and, and others. And even some of the newer one, let's say even like Biblical Doctrine uh, with MacArthur and Mayhew, they got a little more precise, I think, than, than Grudem. Grudem was trying to spray to all fields, did a great job. Mm -hmm. But uh, I don't, when it first came out, I didn't consider it a systematic theology. I thought of it more as a, more of a biblical theology type thing because yeah. of the way it was written. But again, it's good. Um, don't get me wrong. But I, I go to Burkhoff first, personally. Yeah. Yeah. What encouragement would you have for somebody who's trying to kind of think through their own personal time with the Lord every day? You know, they're trying mm -hmm. to get in the Word, they're trying to read regularly, um, and they're kind of wondering, how do I balance having a close relationship with the Lord with in this time of reading, but uh, also pursuing some more in-depth study? And I know for some people, there's this almost this feeling that the two are antithetical, right? That mm -hmm. if I'm studying, you know, and kind of getting into the weeds or looking at different resources, that might be almost less spiritual but if I'm just reading and kind of, you know, soaking in it, that is the more spiritual kind of option. Do you have any thoughts about how to kind of hold those two together? Sure. First, I would say read your Bible a lot, okay? Because you need to get the sense of the scriptures, okay? 
and you need to just read it straight up. I know most people have a study Bible, and I'm, I'm going to say if you're going to use a study Bible, get two or three of them. They're not that expensive. You can go get those. Uh, get two or three because it's too easy to, to lean on the notes in a study Bible that may or may not have been the most stellar notes, okay? Uh, they just got a, a someone that they knew that they thought was really smart about, you know, or really, uh, really spot on about some of these books. But some of the notes in some of the study Bibles are very deficient um, at times. And so ESV study Bible is good for the most part. It's, it's like, you know, I'd say 95% great. Um, you know, the MacArthur study Bible is really strong, though not as exegetically deep as, as you can go at times. You know what I'm saying? Because mm -hmm. sometimes mm -hmm. that's more from his sermons. But great stuff. But don't just go, don't go there and think that you've done this deep dive into Scripture, okay? So uh, your deep dive into Scripture should be into Scripture, okay? So, and you want to get a good Bible dictionary or a good concordance, and those are, there's, they're free online too. Mm -hmm. But like Vine's Expositors Dictionary or Strong's Concordance. I mean, people just kind of, oh, that's old school. Actually, those, those are tools that God blessed the church with through the ages, and they're really good, okay? Mm -hmm. I still use Strong's pretty much every single day. Um, and then I'm looking up Bible words all the time and, and it's on my olive tree Bible app on my phone. Okay. I can be anywhere and do that. Mm -hmm. And so, but let me take you, let me take you to Nehemiah eight. Let's, um, if, if look at Nehemiah eight, we know it as the bring the book chapter. Okay. Yep. Yep. We know it as the public reading of scripture chapter, but there's a part in it that is, is embedded down near the end. That is very significant. And I want to get to it. But let's start at the beginning where the people gathered, and this is where, you know, people had not attended to the word of God as they should have through the years. And they tell Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. Ezra the priest brought the, the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could understand what they heard, so young children even on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday. So maybe four, five, six hours of public reading of scripture in the presence of the men and women and those who could understand. And I love them saying, and those who could understand, that's children, okay? Men, women, and children. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. You want to be attentive to God's word. Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform, okay? Why would he get on a wooden platform? So people could hear him better, okay? And it says that beside him stood Mattathiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, Messiah on his right hand, Padiah, Mishael, Malchijah, Hashem, Hashbadana, Zechariah, and Meshulam on his left. That's very important that all these men were with him. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And as he opened it, all the people stood. This is why we stand to read the scriptures at, at grace, just out of respect and honor for God. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. All the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. This is how awestruck they were in the presence of God and how much they revered him and his word. Now you have a bunch of other names. And it says also Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akab, Shabbatai, Hodiah, Messiah, Kalida, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, Paliah, and the Levites. Oh, excuse me, the Levites. These are Levites. 14 of them. There's helpers. What did they do? Helped the people to understand the law while the mm -hmm. people remained in their places. And look what they did. Verse 8. They read from the book, from the law of God, clearly. So you read the Bible clearly. 
Then they gave the sense that's explaining. This is expositional preaching here, okay? Uh, or expositional teaching, however you want to put it. They gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. So what you have here are people who knew the Word of God and they read it clearly and they gave the sense. They gave some understanding. They explained. And what I would say is, don't try to go alone and be in a vacuum and say, God told me this when I was in my prayer closet or when I was in my room and I was reading the Bible and no one can tell me otherwise. No, we need to listen to those that are wise and that know the scriptures. Now, don't listen to everyone. You need to be discerning mm -hmm. as you listen. Would you say would you say this passage might give an indication that there's actually there's voices that I should weigh more strongly and then less strongly as well mm -hmm. in terms of who I'm letting speak and how I understand the word? Absolutely. How many times do we hear nowadays, oh, I just got these great YouTube videos I've been listening to, some guy, you know, in the city way over here, and what do you think? And most of the time it's like, stay away from that person. Okay. Yep. They're a false teacher or they're they're just off in some way. Yep. And it doesn't take very long to to see that for some of us but i would say and i mean that humbly i just mean that you know there's so many people out there that are getting up and opening their bibles and then twisting the scriptures and i would say that you would you want to be discerning and this is a tough time to be discerning because of the just the, the huge quantity of bible teaching that is out there right now and so yes i, I would say in your local church if you're at a church that is solid, that has good elders, that has a good doctrinal statement, that actually teaches in accordance to their doctrinal statement, that their practices actually line up with their beliefs, and you 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 want to, to not trust them as God, but trust them as guides. It's kind of like in the bowling alley, those, those uh, you know, those guardrails in the bowling alley, or let's say you're on a mountain road, and there's a guardrail. That guardrail is not going to keep you from going over the cliff but it'll help you to know yeah. you need to be careful. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and even in the bowling alley, it's not that it's <laughs> not that necessarily you're getting a strike every single time you throw the ball, but it's keeping you from the the cliff on either side or the gutter of like you just totally miss that. I mean, you are way, you know, you're out to lunch on that. That's heresy. Yeah. Elders can help in the, in that way. Right, cuz when you're at the bowling alley, you're not you're not supposed to like hit if you're doing the little kitty ones where you have the little guides, you're not supposed to hit off the guides. Those are just there in case your ball starts yeah. to go over <laughs> into the, into the gutter. Yeah. So no, yeah, and you don't want to go into the gutter here on this. Yeah. You want to you want to read the scriptures. Now again, if you're a believer and dwelt by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit will illumine your heart and help give you understanding of the word. But don't try to look for all these secret crazy meanings that are outlandish or that you're going to come up with and everyone's going to think you're so great and fame that you'll become famous because you came up with a new take on the scriptures. That is arrogance. You want to exalt God with this and really be attentive and think about it. Expositional preaching is where we read it, we explain it, we apply it. Expositional listening is where we hear it and receive it and obey it. Mm -hmm. We respond to God and really the preacher has to respond to God first. So let's right. get back to that question though. Which interpretation is accurate? I need to say something about this. God is not the author of confusion. It's not what it means to you or what it means to me, but it's what, what did God mean when he said it? Yep. You know, what did God say? What did he intend to say? And so here's one thing you, you'd want to do. Let's say you come to an unclear or difficult passage. I just read one this morning when we were uh, filming some devotionals. 
recording some devotionals and it's it's the, about the holy spirit and how jesus says you know the spirit's going to bring to your mind everything mm-hmm. i told you and all of that and that's kind of confusing but you got to see what is it in light of other passages nowhere in scripture do you find where god is saying i'm going to give you a secret message no it's attend to the word get to the law and the testimony get to the word and here in that verse it's about uh, the holy spirit inspiring the biblical authors of the gospels and the New Testament. And it's not about us getting some, you know, the Holy Spirit's going to call to our mind what we what what Jesus told us. Now, if you're going through your day and you remember verses you memorized, you could say, well, the Holy Spirit's calling that to my mind. Mm-hmm. True. Um, but I think that's, that's the Holy Spirit just bringing to your mind uh, the truth that you already have in your heart. You know, and that's maybe yeah. an application of that. Sure but distinct from the original meaning that God had in the text. Right. Which is so important because mm-hmm. I think, you're, I mean, if you sit in, you know, 90% of Bible studies and churches today, the leading question is often, well, what did that mean to you? Or what stood out to you? And so, yeah. yeah, I think you're right to just point out, we have to always come back to, what did God mean by this? And parallel to that, which we've talked about in some of these past podcast episodes, is what did the human author mean by this? And how can I trace out his logic, his flow, his structure, the way he's putting everything together to try to really drill down to, okay, I can say with some confidence, I think this is what he was really driving at. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe uh, I think to that to that point, tied to that point, question for you: Would you say that scripture is equally clear on every point to which it speaks? No, I wouldn't. I would say that it is. It is. Um, Okay, wait, if I'm understanding you correctly, what I mean is it's not equally clear in every passage. In every passage. In every passage, yeah, okay. Yeah. And so, again, he's not the author of confusion. Uh, it, when there's an unclear passage or where there's a difficult passage, you interpret it in light of the clearer ones or the clear ones. So the idea that the analogy of faith is one principle of biblical interpretation where the the truths of Scripture uh, line up with each other. They, they're coherent with one another. They are... The whole plan of self within the whole plan of revelation, they go together. That's why we have these systematic theologies that make perfect sense. Yeah. Okay. And biblical theology. Yep. Yeah. And so follow up question then, and this I think this could be helpful for some people, some believers who maybe struggle with this. Would you say that we then should hold every conviction with equal, uh, <laughs> I don't know, earnestness, or no. or not? Right. So good, why good not? setup? Good setup. Because there are doctrines upon which we would die altogether yeah. for yeah. Uh, the virgin birth, the, the blood atonement, the deity of Christ, the authority of Scripture, all of those kind of things. And then there are doctrines that have lesser weight. Doctrines do have different differing weights. And, you know, the fact that God is sovereign and God is God and that we have a triune God is one thing. And then the, the practice of, let's say, church leadership and, and the way uh, church sets up their elders or deacons. There is some flexibility there in with with that. It, not every church will have the same exact leadership structure or the way the roles are are delineated because God didn't prescribe every action, you know, in that regard. But He did reveal Himself very clearly in Scripture of who He is. So the doctrine of God, theology proper, is yeah. huge. The doctrine of Scripture, uh, soteriology, all of that. But then you get to end times things, and you're like. Why are all these people that agree on all these other things not agreeing on the end times things? That is telling you and I, those doctrines have differing weight than, than some of the larger doctrines. Absolutely. I'm not saying that those aren't important, yeah. 
right? You know, it's interesting in the history of biblical interpretation, uh, four kinds of handling the scriptures emerged, right? You had the literal, the moral, the allegorical, and the uh, the um, anagological or something. I can't remember how to say it even. I, can, I, I but anyway, but the liter the literal interpretation asserts this is to be interpreted according to the plain meaning of scripture. It's the plain meaning, okay? Um, analogy. Uh, I got mixed up on my words. I misspelled a word, but the analogy. There's analogies or whatever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But anyway, we we want a literal interpretation of scripture, and it, what it is is what's the plain meaning conveyed by the grammatical construction and historical context. And when you go that way, you can have more confidence that you have come to the right interpretation. Yep. Nowadays, there are these ideas, and just in our last couple moments here, let me say this. There is a prevailing thought that gets expressed far too often, and it's, you know, it's this is your truth, this is my truth, um, that's open to interpretation, oh, we all have different ideas, uh, let's just agree to disagree. And people throw their hands up and say, yeah, we just can't know. And I'm going to say, actually, yes, we can. Yes, we can. And that's not arrogant. That's confident in who God is. And the Holy Spirit is strong. And the Holy Spirit can bring us to the correct interpretation of Scripture. That We are not, you know, at our, at our wits end. And we are not just left to our own devices. That we actually can understand the true interpretation of Scripture. When I stand up Sunday to preach, I'm not standing up there thinking, I might not have the right interpretation. Right. I better be convinced by the time I get up there, this is the accurate interpretation. Right. And if it's, a, if it's a tough passage, I'll state it. This is the tough one, and uh, great minds differ on this. And my mind, as puny as it is, uh, thinks that it's this. Yeah. But for many things, like like who's the Holy Spirit and yeah. what does the Holy Spirit do? Yeah. It's boom. It's right there it's in Scripture. Clear. Yeah. 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 No, totally. That makes that makes a ton of sense, and I think super helpful to think about the clarity of Scripture. And you know, it is the time where everybody is wants to close every sentence with. Uh, but, but I don't really know, you know, I mean, I, here's yeah. my point, but I'm not sure at the end of the day. And yeah. it's just, it's comforting to know that God really has revealed himself truly in the word mm -hmm. and in a way that's accessible where we really can know yeah. who he is and, and I, what he wants to teach us. Yeah. I remember when I was a brand new pastor, I had an older mentor of mine say to me, he had heard me preach and he says, you are, you're, you're apologizing for scripture. You're like up there, like too timid. Don't apologize for scripture. This is the word of God. Hmm. And I learned a good lesson there. I'm like, I might be insecure, but God is absolutely, uh, you know, confident in who yeah, he is. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing. And it's like, we're standing up saying, this is the word of God. And we don't, we, look, there's a, there's a, there's a huge, huge uh, responsibility to handle the word of God. And we cannot do it haphazardly. We have to be very careful with it, but we should be confident that we, speak uh, the truth clearly and that we have a good grasp on the, the correct interpretation. Yeah. Very cool. Well, listeners at home, thanks so much for tuning in with us. We love you. And we have two more sessions here. So a few more big questions to ask about the Bible in the weeks to come. Until then, have a great week. We'll talk to you next time. We love you and uh, have a great day. God bless.